Okay, good morning. Welcome to what is in fact episode seven of the Mentor Podcast. And it's been a while, to be honest. Uh, I looked up, it was actually 26th of May. It was the last time I sat down at my computer and did an episode. I don't really know where that time's gone. Anyway, so the point of today's podcast really is just to kind of uh, talk about that. You know, why the big delay, what's been going on for me. Um, and just give everyone an update on what's happening and I guess um, how I want to take this podcast going forward because I've had opportunity to think about things quite a lot recently and that's given me some clarity about it. So let's back it up I suppose. Why has it taken so long to make an episode? What's been going on? What's been wrong? Etc, etc, etc. Well, I guess um, the easiest way to say it is that I hit, uh, I suppose you would call it a bit of a, a bit of a roadblock, a bit of a minefield, whatever, mentally. And uh, I just really hit some extremely strong self-doubt and really questioning myself, you know, why am I doing this? What's it for? Is there any point? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I've been someone that's always been kind of plagued um, I suppose, but I'm, I'm my own worst enemy, as most of us are, uh, and I can at times be very negative to myself. And some things happened around that time, and I guess there was a bit of a uh, a build up of things to the point where I just have really been struggling with things. As simple as that. Um, I'm fine. You know, nothing to worry about. Just uh, I just needed to take some time to really figure out what. Um, what we're doing and where we're going and not just from a, I guess, a creative perspective but also physically or geographically. So I'm, I'm recording this episode uh, I mean, in a place called Birchington in Kent in England which is about ooh, 15 kilometres from the town uh, I grew up in England and lived in and around for the first 30 odd years of, of my life before moving to Australia in 2004. So why are we here? I'll explain that as well. Um, and talk about, I guess, how we move forward now because I guess um, what I've hit more than anything else was real inertia. And uh, it's a classic example that really in life, mostly, it is us who get in our own way. And I've absolutely been in my own way um, for the last few months. And um, I have really just my beautiful wife, Caroline, to thank for her support and uh, helping me through some difficult times. So, you know, I believe fundamentally that it's only by being honest as men about what's happening for us emotionally that we start to start have this dialogue um, and create a space where we can, you know, people need to be able to talk about how they're feeling. So this is my, I guess this is my um, attempt to kind of explain to people what's been happening for me and just be honest about it, be honest about the things I've been having. Uh, it's important to stress to people that I don't, you know, I'm not in crisis, uh, I'm not in a bad place, you know, no one needs to worry about me, um, I'm absolutely fine. But this is part of the issue. Men in particular, 
are nervous about talking about feelings that that are uncomfortable to discuss. So today I want to, to kind of do my little bit to help to break that taboo and to talk about that. So what happened back in May? Why did I suddenly kind of go from feeling like I was making some forward progress with the podcast and life generally um, to being in, in a, the opposite of that? Well, I suppose, look, I finished up as a police officer the, towards the end of February. The first couple of months or so was a bit of a um, honeymoon period, I suppose you could say. It was just nice, to be honest. After 35 years, whatever it is, 37 years of full-time work, to actually have some time off. And um, I really enjoyed just not having the daily grind anymore. So that was good. And we started this podcast, started working on our business, started working on our YouTube, things like that. And things was tracking along pretty good. Um, we moved in Mike River out of a police house, obviously because I'd left into a private rental. And this is a classic example of like um, using your intuition. We found this place, on the surface it appeared perfect. It was in a beautiful location in Margaret River and uh, appeared to offer us the kind of privacy and peace and quiet that we wanted to try and be creative and to just move and transition into like the next stage of our lives. However, when we saw the place, there was a nagging doubt just about the, I don't know, there was something in the back of my mind that made me feel slightly uncomfortable and I detected with the real estate who we got on well with that she was almost trying to dissuade us for maybe I'll see something else might be coming along soon. And uh, in hindsight, I think she probably was. Um, the property was... A vote was done for a real estate agent. It was a private rental, and they just used the real estate to do the home open side of things. And long story short, um, our landlords, the owners of the property, lived uh, next door, and um, probably two hundred meters away from our house. And uh, it turned into eventually a bit of a nightmare. Um, there was no respect for our privacy. Um, just constant interruptions, noise, just no appreciation that you know, although it's their house belongs to them, you know, we're living there. Uh, there were a couple of incidences where, you know, we tried to just get on and do certain things and, um, you know, th- there was constant barriers placed in our, in our way and that kind of came to a head in early May where, a very long story short, um, the uh, the male part of our landlords ended up actually physically blocking in a car from one of uh, Caroline's friends that just made a mistake about where to park, and uh, it, it, it he just absolutely lost his uh, lost his shit to be honest, and it was just like a, yeah, it, it really kind of uh, shattered the peace and tranquility that we were looking for, and made us feel very uncomfortable living there to be honest. So I think that was a big part of the situation that you you felt like you were literally under surveillance um, from your landlords um, and uh, they just had zero respect for us or our privacy. And speaking to people around town, they have a reputation for this 
And the, the sad thing about the whole thing is you have people here who are in their 70s, extremely wealthy in terms of assets. Um, I think they own maybe 10 or a dozen properties in Margaret River, which, you know, is, is, means you've got a few quid. Yet so miserable, such unhappy people, and their negative energy was a real problem for us, and it ended up making the place we were living in just a really unhappy place to be. And uh, I know it affected Kaz, it affected me, and it made it very hard to be positive. So that that was that going on, and also, um, and I thought about this in hindsight. I thought a lot about what kind of things knocked me off my kind of progress. In early June, a good thing happened from the point of view of um, getting things back to some kind of normality. Um, they took away all the, the vaccine mandates in Western Australia, and that included the police. And I was really happy that it happened for the people who basically had stuck with it. But I didn't realise this until fairly recently. I think it, for me, gave me a realisation that there was almost something that I could go, I could have gone back to my work my job to the thing I loved but I didn't want to and I had an internal some real internal conflict about that about you know what have I done have I done the right thing have I been an idiot should I just go back to how things were before I suppose I felt this real tug between um, responsibility as the head of a household etc but also wanting to move on and progress in, in, in life's journey so I think that hit me fairly hard as well and I suppose the bigger picture or the thing that I've struggled with the most is, I suppose, feeling a lack of purpose. Um, and I, I am guilty, as many men are, of defining my life's purpose via the job you do. And that's not a healthy thing to do, but I recognize that is what I have done. And I think that's particularly true of police. It is not a normal job, therefore, you know, it does create an identity, um, probably more so than any other job I've had, and I think I just had to find out who I was, you know, I, I was no longer Dave, you know, yeah, I'm a police officer, yeah, I've done this, I've done that, blah, 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 you know, that wasn't me anymore, and I had to move away from that and say, okay, well, who am I now? and what's important to me and what am I going to do going forward. And that took some time. That took a lot of uh, kind of self-reflection, inner work, and starting to, I guess, rebuild um, who I am as a person without the reliance on saying, oh, yeah, well, that role I perform, that's who I am. Because we're all much, much more than that, and yet... We default to that position of, yes, I am Dave, I'm a copper, I'm Trevor, I'm a carpenter. Whatever it is, you know, we seek out that identity and then we nail it to the wall that that's who we are. And when you take that away, when you lose that, everyone look at it, what's left? And for me, it was a realization that I really need to think about that and figure out, you know, who am I? How do I feel about not being a copper anymore? You know, do I still want to be a copper? You know, is there parts of the job that I miss? Is there, is there a way I can replicate that outside of the police? And what I came back to and what I, my kind of conclusion about that was there will always be a part of me 
that misses the idea of being a police officer. Because for me personally, policing was always only a vocational choice. I never did the job for the money, although it was quite well paid. And it was a vocation. It was about, in a really simplistic way, trying to make the world or your community just a tiny bit better place than it was before you had an impact there. You know, the old good versus evil. It may sound cliche and, well, you know, that's not what it's like. So for me, that's, that's why I became a police officer. So I've accepted now that there's a part of me that will always have that, um, that feeling that I missed that. But I've also come to the realization that that ideal of what a police officer is, I don't think really exists anymore and certainly hasn't done over the last couple of years. So I'm kind of pining for something that really doesn't exist anymore. Um, and the way the police have been used and continue to be used um, is not something that I choose to be part of. And that's okay. And I can still, I can, I can miss, you know, the, the aspects of the job that I liked. But, and I talk to other coppers regularly, I don't miss the political bullshit and crap that, you know, people are still jumping through. So that, that was a really kind of important thing for me to figure out. You know, I do miss... Um, although most police, most of police work, you know, ninety-five percent of it is fairly tedious and a lot of admin these days. There's obviously there's an adrenaline side of things um, that you know, I kind of reminisce about. Um, it's exciting sometimes, you know, exciting, you know, chasing a car or kicking someone's door in or you know, chasing the bag, all that kind of stuff is exciting, you know, and I'm not going to pretend it isn't. Um, but I. I'm just I've moved on I've moved away from what that means and uh, I'm okay with that now so that was a really important thing for me to do just to figure that out so that was part one and, and part two I suppose was okay well that's the police side of things what about me as a person as a father as a husband you know who am I and what what I need to do now to fulfill those roles because on some level the role I've always taken very seriously as provider for the family, that's no longer relevant. All my children are adults. They've all grown up and left home and have their own lives. Um, you know, my wife's a strong, independent woman. So I don't need to perform that role anymore. And I think that was something, that, again, I've struggled with that, you know, taking away that um, primary sort of like male function. So anyway, I saw it of provider um, of your family and now I have to accept that you know I need to provide still but provide you know maybe more in a more emotional way or you know in a more uh, non-physical way the role of father and husband is still and always will be the most important thing I do you know I, I value it I cherish it but it's again it is more than putting food on the table or clothes in the wardrobe. You know, it's about being emotionally present and available for your wife, for your children, being supportive, being understanding, you know, and helping each other, you know, navigate this world we live in, which is pretty crazy at the moment. So I did have some pretty, you know, low days, difficult days 
over the last few months. Um, just felt extremely raw emotionally, um, extremely vulnerable, to be honest. And, you know, just had some pretty negative, dark thoughts about everything. And that's something that I've just had to process. And I, I should say here that um, no one wants to talk about this kind of stuff from the point of view that um, certainly I talk here as a former police officer. People are scared to expose their vulnerable side and talk about having you know, bad thoughts because the next thing you know, you know, someone's taking away your access to certain areas or you know, you're being referred to go and see the psych, etc., etc. I honestly believe, I could be wrong here, we all have our dark days, some more than others. And it's only by talking and sharing these that we can start to break the stigma of men feeling this way. I have a theory that I'll share with you. I really believe that men in general, and I'm going to talk about myself, but I've had enough experience with men, are more inclined, I don't know why, to darker thoughts than women are. Now, I guess you could argue that's backed up by the statistics around suicide. 75% um, of suicides are male, as it stands at the moment. However, roughly 75% of self-harms are females. So that kind of challenges that preconception, but it seems to be that men you know, follow through and you know, actually end their lives um, a lot more than women, and that's what statistics say. Why is that? God, that's a big subject and a very, very long discussion. I think there, for me and for many men, I think there is an inherent darkness somewhere inside ourselves. And I've spent a lot of time trying to understand where that comes from and how to process that and how to deal with that on a daily basis. So I want to share with you um, my thoughts, I mean, this is about me, and I can't state this enough, I'm absolutely fine now, I don't need any help, I didn't need any help other than from my family um, over the last few months, you know, I'm perfectly safe, there's no need to call you know, Lifeline or anything for me, I just want us to be able to have this discussion, and I am denied about whether to share this to be honest with you, and what kind of made me decide to definitely share this is I recently read uh, a book by Tom de Blas. Uh, those of you that know jiu-jitsu know who Tom de Blas is, those who don't. Um, it's a book about resilience and um, dealing with stuff. And in it, he is absolutely oh, brutally honest about his own demons and darkness. And I read that and I thought, wow, so if somebody with that profile can you know talk open honestly about you know the thoughts that they've had and the the actions that they've almost taken over the years then it's something that i should be able to do as well and again it's, it's about i think all of us have to contribute a little bit to this uh, making um talking about darkness and talking about you know our demons more socially acceptable so um, when I was, let's start off, okay, as long as I can remember, I've had dark thoughts about things. 
um, just about about death generally and, and sometimes my own death. Um, when I was about six or seven, uh, myself and my friend were walking through some woods in a place where we lived and we came across somebody who had hung themselves from a tree. Now, we ran off straight away, called the police, blah, 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 and we had no more dealings with it. I, I don't know if the feelings I've had going forwards are directly related to that, were caused by that, or that was just a contribution to it. Couldn't tell you. But that certainly is something that has had a, a big impact on me. And throughout my life, going forward since then, I've come to kind of uh, just accept and realize that, you know, I have, and I'll, if you've never seen the, uh, the show Dexter, it's a fantastic show, uh, he talks about his dark passenger, which in his case is actually the, the serial killer side of him. Uh, I'm not a serial killer, but I refer to my dark passenger as being those dark thoughts, okay? Um, and I've had this dark passenger with me, and um, I've always been very aware of it. It has come and gone in and out of my life at different stages. Um, sometimes it's very present, and sometimes it's not really there at all. And certainly over the last few months, it's been very present in my life. Uh, and I've had to kind of to, to deal with that and rationalize that and process that and understand that, you know, there's no point, I don't think, fighting or trying to push those feelings down or deny them because they're there. So if you don't deal with them or process them, they're going to come back. So I've tried to almost welcome those feelings and thoughts and let them kind of wash over me and then see them on their way rather than seeing them as like a an invader or something that's wrong or bad or evil just to accept that it's part of who I am it doesn't make me a bad person it just makes me a human being and um, you know that's you know, that that's where I've been with it and it's been a struggle at times like I said but um, I feel a lot better now and really that's just a result of I think processing these feelings and trying to understand you know where did these come from and how do I just kind of uh, see them on their way? So I'm satisfied now that that's behind me. Now, do I think I'll never have these feelings again? Absolutely not. I think it's something that's in my psyche and that I'll gradually, as I get older, start to unwrap and actually think about because I probably spent the first 50 years of my life pushing down and denying them and you know that isn't a way to deal with feelings and um, the great comedian Bill Burr in one of his stand-ups talks about how he has like uh, an anger shelf and when he gets these feelings he, he puts them in a jar and pushes them down and puts their lid on and then chucks them on the anger shelf and was somewhat surprised that it wasn't a very particularly good way of dealing with problems and that's how I feel about it um, I want to be open about my feelings um, and I want to own them. You know, they're my feelings. So rather than deny them, rather than push them away or push them down, I'd rather talk about them 
um, be open and honest with, with my family and uh, deal with them that way. So that's my plan with that. So that's kind of, I guess, that's a, a quick summary of um, what's been going on over the last, well, we're now September, August. Um, wow, three months. And why it's taken so long to get to me set down here again. And trust me, the, the weird thing was, there was many times when I thought to myself, oh, I was really enjoying doing the podcast and talking to people. I need to get back into that. But like I said, I felt like I was just uh, experiencing this really strong feel of inertia. I explained it as like, I felt like I was in quicksand and just doing the things I've always been mad, keen on, you know, exercising like that. I've still been doing stuff, but I've had to really, really just drag myself through to do it. And I have to say, this is to, to everybody out there, you know, there's, there's lots of evidence about the power of exercise in terms of as a, as a treatment for mental health issues. I think what the last few months has, has proved to me is that even though it's been a real effort to drag myself up in the morning to exercise, to go jujitsu, those things have really, I think, um, helped me navigate uh, difficult waters over the last few months and it just reinforces the importance for, I think for all men I don't care who you are to move your body you know it's just a vital thing and will help it will always help is it a solution no it's not and like I suppose something I've had to do as well is stop trying to deal with the physical things whether it's just exercise or whatever and get to the root cause but well, I can talk more about it later so that's the first stage of that. That's kind of like, so that's what's been happening over the last few months. Um, I guess the next question to answer is, why in the wide world of sports am I talking to you on the other side of the world? So I'll explain that one to you. So the second thing to talk about today really is, why am I here in Birchington in good old England? So myself and my wife have been having this... Uh, I guess you'd call it love-hate relationship in the last couple of years with Australia. So we have lived there since 2004 in Western Australia and have loved living there. It is a beautiful, beautiful country full of amazing, amazing things and a lot of really, really good people. However, in the last couple of years, through the pandemic, I think what we've seen, and you know, this may be an experience we'll have elsewhere in the world, We've seen a lot of people, um, I guess, um, become a version of themselves that is not particularly attractive. And the, the way that you know, I was treated both by my employer and a number of the people I worked with, um, and just the society in general and the way that the West Australian population really um, thought they could comply themselves out of um, the situation in the pandemic uh, made us feel, to be honest, um, like we were questioning about, you know, is this still our home? Is this the place where we really want to be? You know, does Western Australia offer us the things that we need um, to be happy? And not just in the physical side of things, but, you know, the 
the culture, you know, can we find, you know, people like us here? And it all came to a head where we decided that we needed to just um, have a bit of a break. Um, we'd arranged only a six-month lease when we moved into this place, thank God, because obviously, as I said earlier, it turned into a, bit of a nightmare. And we really got to stay saying, well, what do we do next? So our lease ran out early August. What do we do? Do we try and find somewhere else in Market River, elsewhere? Um, do we want to buy somewhere now? Is it the right time? All those questions uh, were discussed. We decided it was not the right time to buy. Um, it's clear that there is going to be, whether you want to call it a recession or something um, coming, house prices are certainly going to take a major dip. And uh, I just we just both agreed it was completely the wrong time to buy somewhere. So that, the answer to that was no. Now, do we rent somewhere in Margaret River? And pretty hard to find somewhere decent in Margaret River. Um, rentals are still extremely hard to come by and very expensive. Um, so we decided initially, all we decided was, you know what, let's uh, book a flight back to the UK, go and see some family for a bit. That was the initial feeling. We had nothing more planned than that. So sometime around, I think it was June, we booked a couple of flights um, back to the UK. Interestingly enough, it was actually the first time we were going to visit the UK together since we left in 2004. I'd always gone back um, individually because, frankly, going back was a bit more about going to see people and doing your duty. So my mum, until she passed away in 2016, I used to go back and see her. Um, it wasn't really a holiday, to be honest, and Kaz uh, did a similar thing herself. So we thought, yeah, let's, let's the both of us go back for a few weeks, uh, have a holiday, see some old friends, cats can catch up with family, and you know that will um, maybe that will just kind of break break the cycle of being here and give us a chance to kind of um, just a bit of perspective, maybe a bit of distance might help us get a clear head. So that was the first thought. Then. Um, I remember we discussed probably three years ago, I think we saw it maybe on the TV, I don't know, a thing called Trusted House Sitters. And what that was, was people advertising uh, their houses for people to go and house sit and also normally um, pet sit. And the reason they wanted house sitters really was to look after their pets while they go on holiday. So, um, Decided to sign up for that, and we signed up for that, and uh, it cost me 150 bucks uh, Australian. And before we know it, we were having a FaceTime with some lovely expats in Spain, and we tied up a five-week um, house sit south of Barcelona, looking after their five dogs. So that was the next thing. That's that was that's followed on nicely from where we are at the moment. Uh, and then we looked into, we wanted to go and see our daughter in the States and, uh, we found another house sit and down Atlanta way and then another one up in New York. So at the moment, as I sit here and talk to you, we have accommodation and everything sorted until the end of this year. Uh, we'll be leaving, uh, here 
next week, going up to London for a few days before heading off to Spain, spending a week in Barcelona, and then going down to Tortosa for the first house set before flying to Miami and then to Atlanta and then to New York. So it's going to be an exciting time ahead. And then in the new year, we plan to go to Central America, uh, particularly Panama and Costa Rica. Why are we going there? Well, I think, you know, it is a opportunity to see different cultures. And I guess the thing that's been driving me and Kaz the most of late is you know, really trying to figure out, you know, where do we fit in to, you know, what culture appeals to us. And it seems on the surface that um, those Central American nations seem to have got the right balance of, um, you know, life and work and this the place we want to visit and then figure out what that means after that, I don't know. But we're excited to visit down there, spend some time. And by the end of that, which maybe we're up to February, March 2023, I guess then we'll figure out what is the next step. Do we come back to Australia? Well, we're definitely going to come back to Australia because we've got children here and grandkids here. Um, so we'll definitely be coming back in some form. Um, but will that be to a, a house or somewhere? Or will we travel? Will we get a van? All these things are up in the air at the moment. And you know, many people have said to me, well, you know, what's the plan? I'm like, well... We're just really letting life lead us at the moment. And that may sound like a, a deeply irresponsible thing to do. You know, there are times when I think to myself, what am I doing? But in general, it's a very exciting process. The first time in my life and Cassie's life, we're just going with the flow and just seeing where life leads us. And it's, it's exciting. You know, life is supposed to be lived. And... Um, we both want to explore and experience as much as we can. You know, we're still relatively young. What, why should we wait 10 years? Why should we wait until we officially retire? You know, who knows what lies ahead? You know, my dad worked his entire life and died when he was 70. He literally had been retired three years. He did none of the things that he promised himself he would do. None of them. So uh, I'm going into this with, uh, you know, eyes wide open and arms wide open to the world, you know, to actually embrace experience and hopefully meet some, some really interesting people. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting, but also a little bit daunting to not know where we'll be you know, this time next year. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I can say is that spending a few weeks back in England, has you know, confirmed to both me and Kaz that it certainly is not somewhere we want to live permanently. It's lovely to visit, uh, you know, friends and family, but um, the same problems that probably made us move in the first place are still here. It's a small, crowded country with all kinds of infrastructure issues, and just culturally, you know, it's just not us anymore. So we certainly won't be moving back to the UK anytime soon. Um, but there's a whole world out there and who knows what the future leads, what the future holds for us and where it will lead us. And we're just, it's very hard, but to just put your faith in essentially the universe. 
you know, does the universe have a plan you know for us what is, you know when i say the universe what do i mean am i talking about god you know i'm not a religious person but i believe in there is a power out there something greater than us um people may choose to give it different names as they have done through human history but i do think there is you know a power greater than us and i think we all fit into that somewhere and it's exciting to just let that lead you as somebody who spent his life planning and organizing and etc 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 to let go of that um you know he's possibly part of the reason why i've had a bit of a struggle the last few months that transition from being somebody who's in control um who you know made decisions and followed through and had plans to somebody who really is just letting you know the world lead us on a journey has been difficult but it's exciting and i urge you to if you can, i'm not saying everyone should do what we're doing but there are aspects of your life where you can just let go a little bit and just listen to your intuition you know, listen to what your heart tells you about what you're doing. This is your life's journey. It's not anybody else's. And you have to be true to what your heart tells you. And that means, you know, following your intuition. It's important that, you know, that sixth sense, quite what you like. We all have that. And um, learning to listen to that, I think, is a very important life lesson. So that's kind of why... I'm here right now. It feels bizarre being here, to be honest. Um, like I say, we left, we left 18 years ago, so it certainly doesn't feel like home anymore. I feel like this strange kind of like hybrid of a, a visitor stroke local. Um, <laughs> just, just, just the accents and stuff. You know, I feel myself starting to talk a little bit like an extra from Snatch, um, just by talking to the locals. Um, but it's, yeah, lovely people. The banter back in England is, is good. But I just see, certainly around here, it's just not a very happy place. That's what I see. I see people who are not particularly happy. And um, one thing I really have noticed, though Australia certainly has nothing to kind of celebrate here either, but people are seriously unhealthy, really seriously unhealthy, and the food is not particularly good. Um, very hard to find healthy, good food. And that's reflected in, in people and just how they look and you know, how, they, how healthy they are. And that's sad to see. But that's always the way it's been here. And um, you know, it was one of the many reasons we choose to leave all those years ago. So that's kind of part two of the situation. That's why we're here. And really the, th the third and final part of this podcast is to talk about this podcast and where I see it going now. Because I've had a bit of a think about that and I've got some ideas I'd like to share with you. So uh, we'll talk about that next. So lastly, uh, and not leastly, if that makes any sense. So this podcast, I have thought about stopping doing it completely. But I asked myself the question, you know, what is the point really? You know, who's it for? And I figured out ultimately it's for me. And like I, it, it's part of me managing me. And it helps me to talk about how I'm feeling about things. And I've really enjoyed talking to interesting people about things. But I also recognise that um, I may have paid myself. Oh, dog just behind me having a furball. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. Thanks, Benji. 
You finished, mate? Good work. I realised that um, I may have painted myself into a bit of a corner in relation to saying, okay, well, every episode is going to be with uh, somebody talking about their life. It's actually quite hard to find people willing to be open and honest and vulnerable about their lives, mistakes, wins, losses, etc., etc. So what I have come to the conclusion of is that I am going to keep doing the podcast because I enjoy it for me. I get satisfaction personally just from the act of doing it. Uh, and that's the primary reason for doing it. You know, um, you know, it's nice that people listen to it, hopefully, but that's not why I do it. I do it for me. I find it quite cathartic and it's a way to express myself. But I'm going to change the format so it won't just be an interview. Um, I'm going to broaden the outlook into areas which I think are very important um, to all men, and that is really expand it into the the physical, uh, the mental, and also the spiritual. I think there are lots of things we can discuss there. Um, I want to have some guests on talking about specialised areas. Um, also want to talk about things that are important to me. Um, so that's what I want to do. So it won't just be interviews. Um, it won't just me be me ranting on about uh, life in general. Some episodes will be specifically about a particular subject. Um, whether it be exercise or you know mental health or you know spirituality, or whatever. Um, but we'll still be doing some interviews as well because I think that's an important part of it, and that's what I'll do going forward. My plan is to keep doing this, obviously, whilst I'm away. I put my microphone with me, which trust me, has seriously eaten into my uh, hand luggage allowance because it's bloody heavy. Um, and I intend to, where I can, find some interesting people on my travels. And get them to talk about, you know, themselves and what's happening for them in their lives. So I hope that that's something that those who are listening will enjoy. Um, as always, I always welcome feedback about this episode, any other episode, or the podcast in general. If you would like to be part of the podcast, you know, please put your hand up. Just flick us a message on Instagram or whatever. You can find me at uh, Mentor Podcast. Because, and this is the really important thing to realize, everybody's life is interesting. Every single person has had moments in their lives where they've made a choice, where they zigged instead of zagging. And there's always, I suppose, my realization over the last few months has been that life fundamentally is a series of decisions and experiences. So you make a decision and that will lead to certain experiences. It ain't all going to be good. We'll stuff things up. Always. It's part of life. But it's a learning process. And like, you know, I'm 53 years old. And I feel like I've grown more in the last probably three years than the previous 50. So you're never too old to stop learning, to, stop, to start experiencing and start living. So, look, thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and I look forward to talking to you soon. I promise you it won't be three and a half months. Okay? All the best. Take it easy. Love and respect to you all. Bye-bye.